This episode of the Hubcast is brought to you by Marcus's audio version of They Ask You Answer, revised and updated. Coming soon to ears near you. Welcome back to the Hubcast. Everything is Hubcastic. Orange, Hubspotty, Boston Landy. Yo, Duff. It's so good to see you. I get to see Duffy when we record. Yes. She always has guitars in the background because <laughs> she is a woman of many talentos. She's got it. She's got I it, dabble. folks. I dabble. You do dabble. And she also <laughs> is a disc golf professional. And we mm. have uh, graced the courses together because we're both semi-pro. Let's be honest. We're not pros. Yeah. But you could go ahead and consider us. Semi-pro. Yeah, I'd, I'd go semi-pro. Semi-pro is, is correct. Yeah. So, Duff, I had a chance to record the audio version of They Ask You Answer, new and improved, revised and updated. And I'm telling yes. you what, this is such a relief. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why. We make dumb decisions in life. <laughs> sometimes um, out of omission, sometimes out of commission, right? Mm-hmm. And um, in the case of this sin, I allowed the publisher to, to basically skip over Marcus being the voice of the first They Ask You Answer, myself, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think they thought that They Ask You Answer was going to sell very many copies or something. I'm serious about that. And so they had somebody else, and I, and I said, look, I speak for a living, and uh, – People generally hear me at a talk, and then they get the book, and I don't think it's a good idea, And but I didn't push as hard as I should have. I accepted it mm-hmm. for what it was, Duff. And what has since happened? The people well, have spoken. They have spoken clearly <laughs> in my inbox to the tune of one to two emails a week saying, Marcus, I really enjoyed your book, but here's just a little suggestion for you. Right, it's like over and over again. It's almost <laughs> like somebody taking a toothpick and slowly but surely jabbing it in your eye. Pop, pop, pop. You're like, you know? I know, I know. Right, right. I just want the title of the audio version to be "Yes, I know the sound is dumb, but it's still a good book." So some English um, fuddy duddy dude, which is nothing wrong with English, because I love uh, the. Uh, I love the UK and I love the way they sound. Just not for they ask you answer. And I've, I, it's just not, you, you just can't do it the right way. So, anyway, <clears throat> recorded it. It was supposed to take, they gave me four days, four days of um, six to seven hours a day is what they mm. said that it was going to be. And two and a half days later, Duff, it was done. Two and a half wow. days later. Now, so, like, I want to know what, what it was like. Like, yeah, did so, you just just read straight through? I know you posted that video on LinkedIn, which I watched yeah. the entire thing of because I thought yeah. it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of so. So I'm in this uh, small sound room. The, the the person that's recording is in the room next to me, right? So it's basically mm-hmm. a studio, and I can hear him in my headphones talking mm-hmm. to me um, at different times, and I can hear myself talking as well, which is a little bit different because you know when we record a podcast. I'm not listening to myself right now, neither are you, mm-hmm. but that's actually what's happening when you record 
um, an audio book in a, in a sound recording studio like that. Now I just had on a, essentially just like on a music stand, I had a, uh, I guess it was like an iPad and a, a tablet and was just able to slowly scroll up, you know, as I read it. And what happens is the publisher sends you an audio version. So they'll strike out certain elements of the book. Ah, okay. So for example, let's say there's a diagram on the book that's found within the book. And there's only a few diagrams, but they'll strike those out. They'll also generally say things like they'll switch the word reader to listener, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're listening to this right now versus if you're reading this right now, right? So it's little things like that that they do. One of the big questions I had going in is how much ad-libbing could I do, right? They didn't really want much ad-libbing, <clears throat> which was frustrating to me because, you know, I, I, I remember... Gary Vaynerchuk on his last book, he did a lot of ad living and it was a lot better. Yeah. The parts that he was living than the parts that he was reading. Sure. Part of it was because I think he, he's not that great at reading his stuff because he's so used to being Gary. Right. So it wasn't great. The, the best book that I've ever heard audio wise is Profit First by M Michael McCowitz. Really sensational author that could read it and perform it. Right. Mm. So I wanted to I wanted to at least sound like myself. And so there was little moments when I was still able to throw a couple words in and just add the flexion and almost like that sarcastic -y, like what the heck like type of <laughs> vibe to it. So that was that was fun. You mess up a decent amount. So like every um the, the book is a bunch of chapters but they're they're shorter chapters, right? And so mm -hmm. I would say it's like at least one to three times on every single chapter, I would say something just not right. And then I would have to go back to the beginning of that sentence. And you want to do it where you had a breath, right? So wherever you had a break or a breath, that's where mm -hmm. you go back. Rarely did the person that was in the studio, his name was Kevin, rarely did he have to say, I think you should do that one again. I was usually faster than he was in saying, you know, cause I'm so used to it. And, uh, like my mom, I saw her um, just the other day and she was like, is it really weird listening to yourself that whole time? Because don't you hate how you sound? Like, to be honest with you, I have done so many videos, right? Yeah. I know exactly how I sound. Yeah. So I'm past right. that I hate my voice stage, right? right. right? I, don't, yeah. I, uh, I don't actually distinguish much difference at this point. Like what I hear on a video is what I hear when I'm just talking to you right now, whereas I don't know, I, I know it wasn't like that as a kid. I'm assuming a lot of people have that happen, right? When you just, mm -hmm. over time, you're the same way, right? You have this podcast, you have these other things. It was a great experience. I was really, really glad when it was done. You cannot turn your brain off. You cannot yeah. lose focus. You cannot drift. You have to smile the whole time. Otherwise, the energy is not going to be there. And last thing I'll say about this is he said, so Marcus, you're going to sit down for this, right? Because it's kind of hard to stand for six or seven straight hours and, you know, and read, right? And I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm standing because that's what I would do with an audience. And, mm -hmm. you know, somebody once told me, you'll never get a standing ovation by sitting down. And <laughs> it's the same principle when you, you really want to fully communicate at the highest level, you have to be able to gesticulate you have to be able to really move your body and demonstrate what you're trying to say and so I kept telling myself take your hands out of your pockets and really really talk with them as much as you're talking 
you know, with your mouth because that will hopefully come through on the recording. So anyway, thanks for asking, oh, because it was a pretty cool. So experience. excited. Yeah, yeah, it was, awesome. it was a good time. Um, for those that are wondering, it should be out probably within 60 days. We'll let you know. And um, hopefully now this new version won't have four and a half stars like the previous version on Audible, whereas the book had five stars because of the author's voice. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's move to Certified Dope. And this is Devin from Digital Marketer. Tell us, Duff, how Devin is killing it. Devin is one of my favorite HubSpot nerds of all time. We like HubSpot nerds. Yeah, <laughs> she's a sales manager or a sales operations manager at Digital Marketer and recently shared this story via the HubSpot user Slack. And I will tell you, sales operations managers, are that is one of my favorite HubSpot roles. Like if that is your role at a company and you get to use HubSpot, those are some of my favorite people to work with because it's just really like the sales automation stuff. And so if somebody's a sales operation manager, what would, what would like be the duties under that title or position? Yeah. So a lot of it is the governance of the, the CRM and the sales tools and the, the processes. So I know that Devin specifically does a lot of the reporting and analytics around how the sales team is performing. So she's in HubSpot building out custom reports, making sure that everything is set up in there, making sure that everybody is using the tools as they should be. Um, and then if there's essentially operations within the team that need to happen, like when somebody does this, we need this to be automated. She's the one that jumps in and builds those things out. So generally the sales ops person is like, if, you, if you've heard or experienced like a Salesforce admin, um, you know, you could, you could probably call it like a HubSpot admin on the sales side. Um, you know, depending, of course, it can vary from company to company, but that's typically like you own um, the operational side of the CRM, which is just, yeah, really fun. So how many Get companies, are, like how often, if you had to make a guess, and obviously you don't, you, you, I know you hadn't been a study on this, but if you had to make a guess, out of 100 companies that use HubSpot, what percentage have that position? Ooh, Maybe five, five to 10%. Yeah, to I would 10 have companies. guessed somewhere between three to 5%. So, I could yeah, see and it, it definitely depends. I think the, the larger the company gets, be more upstream. the number, yeah. yeah, the number of sales seats you have, you're going to have somebody in this position. Um, you know, sometimes a sales manager will essentially, you know, have this as part of their right. role as well. Um, but I love the story that Devin sent over in the HubSpot user Slack. She said, so about a month ago, we decided to come up with a high value segment of prospects who are familiar with our partner program, but may not know we recently restructured the whole thing. So the digital marketer uh, partner program is essentially a turnkey framework in which you can use their resources or add them to your resources and offer services around them that end up with you creating passive income by reselling digital marketer subscriptions uh, to your customers. Or sometimes after they spend 90 days working through this framework with you, they keep you on retainer as like a consultant. Um, so 
trying to educate people about this program, especially because they just restructured it, wanted to target people who are already somewhat aware of the program, but may not realize all that it has for them. So they created a list of about 5,000 people and emailed um, them with a CTA to simply just reply to the email. Reply to the email. The email was from Ryan Dice, the CEO, for access to an overview of the program. And then they routed the replies to conversations. So they routed, if you replied to the email, it went to a universal inbox and conversations. And their newest rep would reply with the link to, or with a link to a webinar and start conversations with people. Um, So webinar about the partner program and to learn more. So the results of that initial email, they sent close to 5,000. It had about a 25% open rate it had a 5% reply rate. That's pretty excellent. 258 people replied to that email, didn't click on links, replied and wrote an email back saying they were interested. They got 19 meetings scheduled from that and currently have 14 deals, generated 14 deals in the pipeline just from that single email. That's not all. She said that this week, which was last week, they actually hit the same list again. She admitted that it was kind of a mistake. They were trying to mail a new segment and include the non-openers from the first email, but they had a little bit of a glitch in the list that they built. But I actually really love this. And, And she said, here's what's interesting. This time they changed the subject line. So it wasn't the same exact email or anything. The subject line was, are you a marketing consultant? or from, are you a marketing consultant, which was the first email to how to earn $3,500 a month uh, retainers. Hmm. And they changed the call to action from having to reply to the email for access to the link to the webinar to just click on the link included in the email um, and to convert for that webinar. So that went to about 4,900 people, got an almost 30% open rate, very similar click-through rate, about 293 clicks, and they have almost 200, or at the time, they had almost 200 registrants. The form had a 40% click-through rate, um, and they already had 31-plus applications on the session page for the partner program, Um, and a bunch of meetings scheduled and a bunch of deals in the pipeline for that. And what I love about this is Devin is one of those people who is always testing something and looking at the data. And I just love the spirit of this, even though the campaign didn't get executed exactly how it was planned to be or meant to be, we can still step back and analyze the results and learn things from it and maybe say, hey, maybe we should have been intending to send it to that whole segment of people because we changed up the subject line and some of the copy and how we were messaging those things things like that. I love just the spirit of iterating and testing and seeing what works. So Devin from Digital Marketer, you are indeed certified dope. Indeed, you are, Devin. Because even when you screw up, you dominate and crush it. Yeah, must be nice. Must be (laughs) nice. Feeling it. So recently had a few people ask me, a specific question about the HubSpots. And I'm sure <clears throat> that a lot of people listening to this have either had it or they're hiring somebody and they need to think about it. And that's this stuff. So I'm going to throw it. What's on my mind is going to be answered by you this week. 
and I know the answer to this is somewhat, it depends, but I still want to know, which is if somebody says, which HubSpot certifications should I get first? All right, which HubSpot certifications should I get first? Which by the way, I think HubSpot should have a self-selection tool on the uh, on their, what's it called? The site where all the certifications are. HubSpot or, Academy? Yeah, Academy. Learning Center. Yeah, like which ones should I take? Like and and that way you could self-select into like based on what your needs are. Mm-hmm. That would be a pretty nice UX, right? But mm-hmm. um, if you had to answer that question in a nutshell, what would you say? I would absolutely if you're if you're getting into HubSpot, like you're going to be using the tools day to day a lot. You got to take the software certs. The marketing software cert, the sales software cert, there currently isn't a service hub software cert, but I'm guessing that's probably on its that's way. That's actually pretty surprising. Yeah. It's not done yet. I think that's uh, that's going to be out soon. Hopefully, I did, didn't just miss it and totally put my foot in my mouth. But if I did, I will definitely add it to the show notes. Um, but the marketing software cert and, and the sales software cert are fairly extensive. The marketing is the most extensive But it really is, especially if you are like a solo marketer who doesn't have anyone at your organization, doesn't have a lot of resources to be able to learn how to use the tools, that certification is going to force you into the tools because you have to do practicums, you have to do quizzes, um, you can't get the certification without actually going into your portal and setting up different things. And so that's going to get you a long way in terms of technical know-how with a lot of the tools. Um, from there, and the sales software is the same. It's a little bit shorter because the sales tools are a little bit more straightforward. Um, but I would recommend both, especially if, if your team is using both, even if you're not going to be using both actively. A couple of my other favorites, and you know, I'm I'm kind of biased in you know my own ways, but if you're totally new to the inbound scene, then taking the general inbound certification is a great place to Good start. Play. You yeah. should start because if you start taking the software certifications, they're going to be using language that's basically you know laid out in the inbound certification, talking about buyer personas and all of HubSpot's like inbound lingo in terms that they use. And some of those things you'll go through the software cert and you'll be like, I don't understand what they're really talking about. Um, so the fundamentals are there for, for inbound. They do have broken out the inbound marketing and inbound selling. Um, if you're doing, you know, more of one or the other, I do recommend those. And those are the inbound ones and the inbound marketing, inbound selling, like those are going to be very kind of strategic and high level. They're not going to be really putting you into the tools at all because they're ones that are, you know, available and that people will get even if they're not HubSpot users. So um, they're great foundational kind of like core principles of inbound, um, but aren't really going to get you anywhere in terms of like technical mastery of the tools themselves. My two other favorites that I always recommend, and there's a lot now. So there's ones that I haven't even taken yet. Um, Like there's contextual marketing is one of the newer ones that I've just recently started. Hmm. Um, 
So, you know, there's, there's a lot to keep on top of and they're constantly redoing them. But, but the other two of my favorites that I recommend are the email marketing cert, which recently got redone um, in the last year or so and is, is really, really good. Um, and is, is just an area where I feel like a lot of marketers kind of check the box and feel like they, you know, I'm doing emails and I send the emails and I create the automation and all of that. So I'm good. There's a lot of really good stuff in the email marketing cert that kind of helps break out of that a little bit. And then my most recent favorite is the sales enablement certification. There's a lot, it's again, not super specific to the HubSpot tools, although it will talk about certain things that you can do with the tools, but it's really all about how do we as marketers help our sales teams sell better? And what does that look like? Um, There's a lot of uh, like strategies. Like I remember one of the ones that stuck out to me from that one is the jobs to be done theory. Um, Things like that, that I thought were really, really good for marketers specifically mm-hmm. um, and really helped me start to articulate some things and, and gain some some terminology and lingo that I could connect with sales teams better on. So those are my top ones. I would say start with the software certs, um, definitely get the foundational inbound certs. And then my two top ones after that are email and sales enablement. So fun fact for you, Duff. The number one searched phrase that has to do with HubSpot certification is, take a guess. Sales. <laughs> HubSpot certification answers. Dun, dun, oh, yeah. dun. True story. True story. Because, you know, marketers always looking for the shortcut, apparently. <laughs> you know, like you can look at the slides and like the transcripts of all of the videos. So there's a little insider tip for you. Oh, my gracious. You're Googling it. <laughs> you just got to love it. Got to love it. Okay, so we got a wish list item. This is where we talk about what we wish HubSpot be doing. Allow drag and drag email editor to automatically use system branding settings. Tell us about it, Duffy. Yes. Currently, the drag and drop email editor does not pull from the system brand settings. So every time you want to create a new email, you have to change font colors, fonts, and button colors. So when you go into the new drag and drop, you have the option to select these different templates that HubSpot has, which are great because they already have a bunch of the blocks in there, text blocks, image blocks, logo blocks, all of that stuff. But if you select one of their templates, then it just has all of the template fonts and the the filler images and logos and things like that. It doesn't pull in the stuff that you've set up in your settings. So as part of the system setup in HubSpot, you set up the the brand primary and secondary colors. It's basically a waste of time to have to then change these colors every time you're using the drag and drop editor. So of course, if you clone an email that you've already created and changed everything, it's going to bring everything in, but it would certainly be much nicer if when you selected one of HubSpot's pre-made templates, it would automatically pull in all of your Uh, base styles and logos right there so you don't have to do it every time. So overall, the new drag and drop email editor is a huge improvement from the old editor, but 
it's hiccups like this that can make it frustrating and time consuming to use. And that I've seen users going back to the old email editor because of things like that. So if you want to see this happen, if you want better stuff in the drag and drop editor, get into the show notes, impactbnd.com slash hubcast. This is episode 247 and vote it up. Vote it up, playa. Please. You know it. All right, so let's uh, finish this off with a couple of HubSpot Landia updates. We've got meet prospects and customers where they are with Facebook Messenger and a sneak peek, live beta for attribution reporting for Enterprise. Yes. Now live is a free Facebook Messenger integration that enables you to create a Messenger bot welcome experience on your Facebook business page and manage all of your messenger conversations from your conversations inbox. So many of you have probably seen this beta popping up in your portals in the conversations tool. You can now hook up Facebook messenger to conversations, create a messenger bot welcome experience for your Facebook business page. It's awesome. And in addition to the above, if you're a sales hub or service hub pro or enterprise user, you're now able to automatically connect prospects and customers to the right people on your team, i.e. routing of conversations, uh, depending on um, how people are interacting with your Facebook Messenger bot. So that's awesome. You can learn more in the link in the show notes if you are using Facebook Messenger on your business page. Now, I've been uh, I've been seeing a lot of beta things coming out in different portals, not just Impact's portal, like all kinds of portals. I've been seeing all kinds of different things. So I'm trying to bring you as many sneak peeks as possible of what's been coming out in beta. And right now there is a live beta for attribution reporting for enterprise, which you're probably saying you already told us about this a couple episodes ago, Karina. This is specifically on website page details pages. So this came uh, came up in the Impact Portal yesterday. So if you go to the page details for any one of your pages that's hosted on HubSpot, there's going to be a revenue block at the top of the page that's pulling the, the revenue attribution data into that individual web pages page detail. You can see a screenshot of it in the show notes, but it's going to show you things like attributed revenue, deals influenced, contacts influenced for the time period that you're looking at for that page. And you can even change the attribution model. So there's like, I think there's six or eight different attribution models that you can select from to determine how uh, how much weight you want to give different parts of the um, different parts of the influencing process, if you will. So this is really really cool. I was looking at it for the impact homepage, and I was messing around with the attribution models to see, you know, like first touch attribution versus like linear equal attribution, things like that. Um, it is it is just fascinating. Going to be a really cool thing, especially for something like landing pages. Um, or product pages, pricing pages, like, man, this is, this is going to be a really like next level way to really be able to show the ROI um, and blog posts, obviously. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I'm hoping, I haven't actually looked to see if, if this is showing up on blog posts yet, 
but I'm really hoping one that this comes out to everybody very soon and two or every every enterprise user very soon because right now it's just on enterprise but two that it gets bumped down to the pro level um because i dream on that one yeah. i don't think it's I, happening this is like their way yeah. to entice you to spend mo money <laughs> it is it is but i think that it's i don't know we'll see we'll see but as, i would as, love as to one have might say it's a, awesome yeah in an altruistic <laughs> world it is the right thing to do <laughs> yes so we'll see but it is a really cool and and it, yeah if if that is their play to get people to upgrade to enterprise i think it it's probably a good one because from what i've seen so far um it's been really really helpful of course you need to be tracking your revenue in hubspot to make any of this stuff work but if you are man it's going to make it so much easier to do you know attribution and influence revenue reporting let me just say that on specific assets you know, I, I, for the most part, love what HubSpot's been doing. Um, if this stays at Enterprise, I think it's a travesty. The reason mm-hmm. for that is because if somebody said to me, Marcus, what is the fundamental purpose of HubSpot? Unlike most, I would say its fundamental purpose is to measure the ROI of your digital sales and marketing. Yeah. That's its fundamental purpose, okay? And anything that enables you to do that better makes the tool dramatically more valuable, um, makes you want to keep it, buy it, use it, all that stuff. And um, so if that's its core purpose, I think at least it should be, that should be available certainly on the, uh, what is it, the professional version. Yeah. Um, and not just the enterprise. Agreed. That's my opinion. But usually my opinion is right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I'm just kidding with you. Yo, I think it's time to bring this bad boy I think home. It's time. Duffy. Oh, it is. Hey, if you are interested in sponsoring the Hubcast, there's a link in the show notes to the Advertise with Impact page. We would love to partner with you. Um, if you are interested in joining the HubSpot user Slack, where all of the HubSpot nerds like to hang out and ask each other questions and share cool stuff. There is also a link at the bottom of the show notes, episode 247 for that. And until next time, this is Karina Duffy and Marcus Sheridan saying to you, get out there and get after it. Get after it.